On this week's show, my guest is Matt Mayer Lowry, and we're talking about the life-formed series of graphic novels from Dark Horse Comics, right now on Mike Seibert Radio. Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host, and joining me on the line via Skype all the way from the Portland area, I believe. Uh, Matt, you're from uh, from the Portland area, right? Yep, that's correct. Very cool. Uh, Matt Mayer Lowry is the writer and co-creator of Life Formed. Um, that is now available from Dark Horse Comics. There are two uh, volumes available now. We're going to talk about that more. Um, I uh, I um, I connected with Matt uh, at Jet City Comic Show, and it's kind of funny because we uh, connected a little bit on social media uh, beforehand, and um, you know I I got so occupied at my own table during the show, as as I'm sure you did as well, and we didn't really connect face to face until deep Sunday and it was like right. the, it was like the last hour of the show and it's like I've got to see the show floor before they close and I kind of did this and I talked about this in a previous episode of my podcast but I, I was kind of doing like this this uh this uh, kind of dawn of the dead zombie walk type of thing where like I was I was half loopy and it yeah. was just <laughs> like uh you know you kind of get like that that con fatigue um and so I I remember I, I was chatting with like a couple other folks and then as I was kind of trying to uh, walk away I was like wait Matt oh hey whoa hey I just yep. I kind of kind of stumbled across you by accident and um, and you know we we chit chatted for uh, uh, for uh, a brief couple moments um, but yeah so I I, um, I I was really excited at the time to get to know you and to get uh, more info about the project uh uh the book life formed and now i think now that it's uh it's been a little bit of time after uh jet city comic show you know we can kind of talk more at um at length about it as sure. opposed to just kind of like you know kind of trying to uh, chat awkwardly at a a uh comic convention table but that's a that that's a whole lot of setup but uh, uh matt thank you for joining us today here on mike cyber radio how uh, how you doing i'm good thanks for having me i appreciate it um yeah i'm i'm doing well i guess it's it's cold and wet down here but you guys probably have about the same so i, I was uh, gonna say it is cold and wet up here as well it's a yeah. uh, uh, tis the season and you know now that we're not saving daylight anymore it sure is a lot darker a lot earlier as well so yeah you know well welcome to the pacific northwest yes <laughs> been here all my life so i'm i'm used to it at this point but uh, yeah so uh, have uh, have you been in the Portland area your entire life or just kind of the, like the Pacific Northwest? 
Uh, no, I grew up uh, in the in Tigard, which is a suburb of Portland. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. And I never I went to college in Eugene, and uh, so yeah, I never really left. Um, so I I can relate. I'm kind of like in the Washington equivalent of that. I you know okay. I, I grew up uh, uh, about 20 miles north of Seattle, and now I live about 20 miles south of Seattle, and I work yes. in downtown Seattle. So it's yeah. I, I, again, I've been here my whole life. Yeah. Cool. A couple of natives. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I just kind of wonder, you know, as a, as a side tangent, what is it about the Pacific Northwest that, you know, because like I, I run I run into lifers like us uh, uh, frequently. And what I find when I when I meet folks that have been in this area uh, geographically their whole lives, sometimes we have difficulty articulating why we've been here, because, you know, it's like there's there, there's like that that weird perception and stigma and stereotype, perhaps, of, oh, it always rains. It's always cold it's always gray but right. um so i mean i guess what what is it about the pacific northwest that that keeps you here um you know i'm not at, i think it's uh it's nice and like in the middle of everything in terms of the climate and uh it's you know while we do spend a lot of time in cold and uh, dark winters um they're not they're pretty mild you know and then the summer is usually nice and you can get to the beach and you can get to the mountains and uh there's usually a good combo of sort of uh city and nature and stuff which is what i like about where i'm at in portland now mm-hmm. um yeah so i don't know it's just sort of comfortable i guess and that's you know not not too hot not too cold yeah. um that kind of thing and uh yeah and there's a lot to do and um yeah so sometimes i think i could stand california for a while now and just uh, you know like a steady 72 degrees or whatever all the time sounds sounds kind of nice sometimes but um uh now we've got the family and everything so it's sort of like uh be hard to hard to extricate uh, ourselves from the area at this point but um it's all good it's uh, you know um, <laughs> so yeah just uh, just got to hunker down and you know try to write a lot of comics during the cold uh, cold dark times so well and i, I was going to say that this will kind of transition us into uh talking about life formed because um it, it feels like setting wise it's in kind of like you know like there there's a lot of woods there's a lot of um you know kind of uh desolate cityscapes and it kind of feels like it kind of has a a sort of pacific northwest vibe and um you know it just kind of feels like that kind of the area that we're in kind of kind of informs the vibe a little bit yeah for sure um so cassie anderson who's the co-creator and artist of life formed uh is from uh, the seattle area as as you are and uh, I'm from down here and we basically our our sort of loose plan and what ended up <laughs> happening with book one is that it, it kind of starts off in Seattle kind of mm-hmm. suburban and uh, there's one I think we get one shot of the space needle getting hit maybe during uh, the alien invasion which right. we can talk about the plot in a minute but um, absolutely uh, yeah, so the first book kind of takes place in Seattle, and then they kind of go out into the mountains and the wilderness. And then the second book uh, takes place in Portland, um, and uh, more a little more uh, urban um, sort of environment. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's sort of we, we tried to pick stuff that was sort of not 
what you typically see if you were thinking of it's Portland or it's Seattle um, and just kind of have it inform the like you said, inform the vibe and uh, Cassie loves to draw for us and stuff. And so um, we, uh, we kind of set the ending of the first book there. Um, so she could uh, spend a lot of time in a drawing an environment. She enjoys uh, rendering and yeah, so it's, uh, it's what, it's what we know, I guess too. So that yeah. seems good. Um, and then, uh, yeah, if we get to book three, we've got plans to go to uh, California. So we'll see, uh, for that one. So we'll see how it goes, but, um, try to do a little trilogy, uh, down the coast was sort of the general idea. Ah, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So let's, uh, so let's take a step back a bit and let's, uh, let's start from zero. Um, explain to folks what life formed is as a, as a concept. And we'll kind of talk about kind of the, the history of the book and the genesis of some of the concepts, because, you know, uh, uh, despite it being a, you know, I, I guess what I would categorize as a, a young adult sci-fi graphic novel, yeah, it, it's got some heavier themes to it too. And I am also kind of curious about some of the influences uh, that go into that, but um, like I said, let's let's just start with what um, uh, what life formed is. Yeah, so life formed is the story of Cleo, who's uh, at the time uh, the story starts, an eleven year old girl whose dad is killed in an alien invasion, and a shape shifting rebel alien takes his place, and they team up and end up fighting back against the invaders after Sir Cleo sort of learns the ropes, learns how to survive, learns how to fight back. Um, and that's sort of the plot of the first book. Uh, and then the second book continues their, uh, the story of Cleo and uh, her da- alien dad um, is out named Alex. Mm-hmm. And uh, we tried to then in the second book, you know, expand on sort of st- uh, telling a story, sort of a, a strange father-daughter story, uh, an alien invasion story, um, and just kind of like try to push into some new areas with book two. So it's it's a lot about, um, you know, especially the first book, and I think both the whole thing is basically a coming-of-age story in the middle of sort of an alien apocalypse and post, uh, you know, post-invasion scenario. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, we try to, we didn't, you know, shy away from the heavier aspects of things and, uh, uh for the dad dying, for example, yeah, um, yeah. obviously. And, uh, we, we deal with that a lot and the book hopefully does a good job of balancing, uh, sort of the, uh, ideas of Cleo handling her grief, um, while she's also trying to, m- maintain some sense of optimism and stuff in the invasion and the, a reason to fight back mm-hmm. um, as well as the alien dad trying to figure out sort of how to be not quite apparent to Cleo um, and also to figure out him sort of what his role in the grander scheme of things is. So yeah, yeah, so hopefully there's some like good meaty stuff to, to chew on as well as uh, the sort of, you know, some father daughter jokey stuff and some uh, (laughs) alien uh, sci-fi fighting kind of stuff. So. Well, yeah. And, and one of the things that that you'd mentioned is, um, you know, it's a, 
coming of age story. You know, when when the yep. story opens, you know, uh, Cleo is uh, is an eleven year old girl that just loves snacks and wants a cat. <laughs> and <Right. laughs> and but I I would say also uh, in reading uh, volume one, Cleo makes contact. I I would say that it's. Um, almost as much of a coming of age story uh, for Alex as well. The yeah. uh, um, you know the the alien shapeshifter that uh, that that um, kind of takes her dad's place there, and I found that dynamic very interesting. Like like you were just saying, where it's like you know he, he kind of um, Alex. I I felt kind of like grows into kind of that that mentor role as he's kind of like finding himself in this uh strange new strange new world as well yeah totally and that was that was important for me to sort of or important to me to tackle at the when i was writing i've got uh, two daughters and Mm -hmm. one of the things that was uh sort of an inspiration conceptually for the book was uh, and I started this working on this idea a long time ago so uh, let's see but you know like seven years or so ago yeah. so there wasn't quite as much in the way of uh, really good all ages graphic novels at that point like there's been you know kind of an explosion over the last uh, you know probably about five to seven years yeah and uh and so at the time, I was really looking for stuff that I could read with uh, my daughters that was something that they would enjoy, but that also had a lot of stuff that I would enjoy and that it would be something that we could, you know, discuss, I guess, like um, mm-hmm. that it would have enough, you know, meat on the bone to to warrant um, some good discussions. So, yeah, so I felt like um, that was conceptually something I wanted to do and then just from parenting i always felt a little bit like you know uh it's it's an alien sort of experience to have and you sometimes don't know what you're doing and you have to find your way as much as your child is like growing and figuring out how to walk and everything and talk um you've got to figure out like what your new existence is um with this you know sometimes strange new creature in your life and uh yeah, so I thought that that would be a cool thing to try to translate into, you know, what uh, what at the sort of skeleton of it is a pretty mm-hmm. uh, typical sci-fi, you know, action adventure. Um, but I thought that kind of putting these themes with it would uh, would turn it into something unique. So. Gotcha. Well, and I I don't know if this uh, uh, went to your thought process as you were uh, writing out the story, but I would imagine that um that having young daughters they they would uh i would imagine that dad sometimes comes across as alien yes <laughs> and yeah for sure and i think uh likewise sometimes they do and sure. uh, and then sometimes you feel sort of alien to yourself which was another thing i kind of wanted to try to capture with the alex character yeah. um and uh yeah so i think there's there's a lot of alienness in uh, in figuring out how to be a parent i mm-hmm. think 
Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that uh, that you say, and this is just uh, straight from the the back of the book, is you know they you know they, they bond, they fight back, and they ponder what it means to be human. And I think that was that was really kind of what hooked me. I'm uh, I'm a sucker for stories where you're using um, sci-fi allegory to talk about the human condition. Yeah. And that's uh, so. Yeah. So I, I uh, a lot of those themes kind of resonated with me as it's this, uh, you know, it, it's this uh, uh, fun and not without danger uh, alien invasion story that um, that. Yeah, I, I, I really I really like the framework of it. Awesome. That's great. It's very good to hear. Yeah. I, and I felt like, you know, I I wanted to be both enjoyable and heavy and most of the stuff that i really enjoy has like a variety of tones to it Mm -hmm. um and so i wanted to make sure that that was in there as much as possible um because yeah we you know you go through as you're experiencing like grief and stuff in real life you know sometimes it's sometimes stuff is absurd and you laugh even though you're in a super dark place or, you know, like that, that stuff happens in real life. So I wanted to try to, um, both for the sake of the story and for realism, like have that, uh, be a part of it. So, yeah, well, and it was something that, that you had said earlier when you were first describing the book is, uh, you, d- you described it as all ages and the term that, um, I initially used was YA or young adult. Um, do you feel that there's, uh, perhaps a, um, I don't know. I don't know if the word I'm looking for is stigma or expectation or something that comes with something that's labeled as quote unquote YA uh, versus something that say you know all ages. Um, I mean, I think that people definitely have you know sort of uh, their their ideas about what that means mm-hmm. um, in terms of like the plot or even you know the general like the the arc of the hero i think is even very sort of viewed as a certain thing in ya um but i don't yeah i don't know it feels like it's it it definitely people have their ideas about it but it also feels like it's a very accepted genre and that was something that actually as like the book was released um i would frequently get like people of all ages um coming up and talking about how much they enjoyed it. So yeah. I don't, I don't know if I would say stigma, like in a negative, in the negative sense, because I feel like why does pretty well and people feel pretty comfortable, you know, I don't know. It's not like when I was growing up and yeah. we were, you know, like not sure we wanted to tell who we wanted to tell we read comics, you know, to, or yeah, something. Um, that's, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I think that, um, I think that it does okay. And I think that people are pretty open-minded about it. Um, I think also like life formed, I think, you know, technically and one of the sort of challenges that's mm-hmm. been there as far as marketing goes, um, is that it sort of straddles maybe like a middle grade and YA audience in terms of its age appropriateness. And like, I always am telling people, well, it kind of depends on the kid. Like I think a nine-year-old could read it and be fine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but maybe that depending on the kid, it might need to be more like when they're 10 or 11. So um, I think that, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think it's a little squishy and in, um, in terms of who exactly the, the 
target can be, but, you know, hopefully it's something that with the right kid at, you know, between nine and 11 and uh, if you shared it with them, it would be good for them and good for uh, a grown up or adult as well. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, and, and, and that's why I was going to ask, um, you know, that the next question of that was going to be, who is this book for? Like, you know, who uh, who is kind of the the target demo? And we've we, we've kind of talked about that already. Uh, but the but the thing I also wanted to mention uh, with that also is getting into the artwork. Now it's uh it's it's a um a Cassie Anderson style is what I I would say is very approachable for mm-hmm. for younger readers um you know because it has a you know kind of kind of a uh cartoony uh well it's it's not cartoony but um ha- has a a character caricature aesthetic that isn't what you would pick up in a lot of mainline comics it's a it's a little more softer and stylized in a way that i would say a lot of animation is now with uh uh, with with a certain uh certain style and aesthetic um so i i know your artist isn't here with you but i was wondering if you uh if you wanted to talk about kind of the look and feel and uh and uh, uh cassie's work on the project yeah, for sure. Um, so Cassie's fantastic. Uh, and like you said, she's got more like what I would call to like more of a traditional sort of cartooning style. Um, and it is, uh, you know, it actually isn't what I had sort of set out to go for um, when I started the story. And this was my first project and uh, so far the only published project that I've got. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh basically what I started looking for was sort of a variety of folks that I was thinking I was maybe going to audition a couple different people and we do some test pages and all that kind of thing. Um, but Cassie and I met up, uh, she is in Portland now and I had gone through all her work on Instagram and, uh, Tumblr and all that. And I just was really impressed by her like really clean storytelling style. Um, and her you know like we've talked about the the shape shifting is a big part of the story and so i knew enough at that time way back when that uh i needed to make sure that i had somebody who could draw a character who looked who looked the same panel to panel so that when they changed shape it was clear that they changed shape and all that kind of stuff and really stay on model basically mm-hmm. and so i felt like she really did that and uh, and I, you know, we, so we took a shot and we did some test pages. And when I got those test pages back, sort of, while it was not in a more traditional comic style, like I'd maybe been envisioning, um, I, there was so much emotion to them and her ability to capture that and really make you feel it, uh, added a whole sort of other side to the story that I hadn't necessarily anticipated, um, being there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, yeah, so I saw those pages and I'm like, oh, this is really good. Like, I'm just, I just kind of want to move forward with this. And so we, you know, continued down that, down the path um, and really ended up, you know, building the world out together. Cause obviously when you're working with an artist and making comics, um, it's, you know, very much a collaboration and 
you know, all Cleo's acting comes from Cassie acting and capturing it for herself so that she can draw it. And it's very much uh, sort of a, uh, you know, a 50, 50 thing. Um, so yeah, she's, uh, she's great. Um, she does uh, really great character work. Um, her action is super clean to follow, mm-hmm. I think, uh, which is really nice. And like you said, it's very approachable. And I think it gives us, um, uh, gives the book a unique flavor. Like when you're going through the first book, for example, mm-hmm. and we've had folks pick the book up at a convention and go like, oh, it's kind of like Raina Telgemeier, like, um, you know, very uh, successful um, all ages author okay. and cartoonist. And uh, and then they get to, you know, some of the more violent stuff and they're like, oh, not quite like that at all. <laughs> so it's it, it gives you like a, also a little bit of an element of like the unexpected or the, some surprise there because you're maybe not expecting it to go to the darker places that it goes. Um, yeah. So I think it's kind of fun in that regard too. And basically just i feel like her ability to just capture the emotional arc of the story is uh is pretty unique and really special so yeah it's been uh it's been great um working with her and sort of evolving together and i've learned a ton from her because like she actually went to school for what she does and i just kind of taught myself uh and so it was a huge learning process for me and um yeah the especially the creation of the first book was uh, definitely uh, her teaching me a lot um, as well as uh, me writing it. So, okay. Yeah. Very cool. And, and so from there, I, I would kind of like to go uh, further back into kind of the origins of the book as far as, you know, what, what the, uh, what the inspiration was and, you know, the, the actual creation of it. And I also want to kind of ask you about, the um you know just uh basically the the format of the book because when you handed me a copy of uh, volume one of life formed cleo makes contact i i was struck a little bit by the um by the size of it you know it, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's a little smaller in dimensions than say like a traditional trade paperback but it's also larger than say like you know like like a digest it's kind of like its own unique size so I, I i know i asked a couple things in kind of reverse order there but um but yeah i was wondering if we could kind of talk about the the format of the book and then maybe kind of uh, take a step back and do some of the origin story stuff yeah for sure um so the you know i can't remember that exactly the size that it's in um i know it somewhere in the back of my brain but it's <laughs> definitely uh smaller than your traditional comic floppy comic um which makes it then smaller than a collected, you know, trade edition of comics. Um, it's this is sort of the a format that Dark Horse uses for a lot of um, their, I guess, you know, all ages and YA stuff. So the Avatar, Last Airbender books that they do, the Korra books, um, okay. as well as creator own books, all show up in. Uh, in this form factor. And I'm not totally sure what the decision-making process is with that, but um, the main thing is that they're, it's sort of like their book market size. So you'll, Mm -hmm. these books will be available both at, you know, in the direct market, at a comic book store, and then also, you know, Barnes and Noble and, um, and your local bookstores. And so uh, that just seems to be the format that they drive a lot of the, um, 
you know, non books that are not first a comic series, um, it, it pretty much end up in that, uh, in that shape. Um, yeah. So it's, okay. uh, it's, it's fun. Cause it's, I think it's fits the, it fits the target market, um, which is, you know, a lot of, uh, great way and all ages comics coming out now are in a very similar, uh, form factor, um, not quite full comic size. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's good. And it's, uh, flexible in terms of you know the number of pages you want to do a lot of them um like dc just put out a a superman smashes the clan which is in the same form as uh same form factor as life formed but you know only about or only 80 pages and they're going to do like three issues of them or of it uh and so it's it's flexible you know we Mm -hmm. life formed is more like 200 pages um uh, per volume so yeah it's uh it's pretty fun and it's, you know, dimensionally it is comic size. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of shrunk down a little bit. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, what the kids are into. I yeah. Think, well, <laughs> well, and I was going to say with, with, uh, uh, the larger page count also, it gives a little bit of heft to it. Yes. So it's like, yep. and and I grabbed that uh, that Superman smashes the clan book. It's a, that's a great book uh, based on uh, the old uh, old radio play. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, it was one of those things where it's like it was like the, this almost kind of strange, uh, not quite digest size. Um, so yeah, it was it was just a, a, a form factor that I wasn't quite as familiar with in my um, a traditional comics reading. Um, but I and I think you may have answered this um, already. But was uh, was Life Formed always conceived? as a singular graphic novel because in um you know th- there are obvious chapter breaks where i think in a traditional trade paperback that would be issue breaks um what yeah. was it was it always meant to be just a um larger volume graphic novels um no like stepping like going back to it when it, we initially uh conceived of it huh. i i was kind of imagining it i mean i was kind of uh, working in the dark a little bit, sure. not knowing where it would end up. Cause I pretty much was just trying to do it to see if I could do it. Um, and so, but in my head, I came up with sort of like a, uh, you know, I was, I was picturing it as a series, like a, a, a regular floppy comic. Okay. Um, and, uh, one of the things, one of the first things when we met with dark horse was that they, uh, I think because of the target market uh, for the book, um, as well as just how and like what tends to actually uh, make its money back and everything mm-hmm. in the comics market, um, they wanted to do it as a sort of one-shot graphic novel um, versus doing a series, which I, uh, seems to be fairly common. Um, and yeah, so we we adjusted a little bit. Um, and we also just got a lot of, we got a lot of editorial feedback and a lot of, uh, you know, we worked with the story a lot, um, with the folks at dark horse as well. And so we, we ended up reshaping the story quite a bit and really like sort of fine tuning it, um, into a, uh, the focused thing that the first book is okay. um, and dropped a lot of side plots and all that kind of stuff. So 
um, yeah, so it's uh, it was a little bit different than intended. Um, I think all for the best, uh, but um, yeah, I was uh, since it was our first thing, and we ended up you know lucky enough to uh, be working with Dark Horse on it. We tried to kind of um, take it down the the path that they recommended as much as possible. So okay, very cool. Yeah. Now, um, I. Uh, I don't recall if I asked this or not, but um, so as far as like the original uh, creation of the book, um, was was it something that you and uh, Cassie initially collaborated on together or was it your idea and then you found an artist? How um, how was that process? Yeah, so I was uh working on a few different ideas and this was probably uh around seven years or so ago um that i just was trying to sort of i'd done creative writing in school and Mm -hmm. in college and uh then had kind of let it go by the wayside and as i was getting older i felt like if i was ever going to make something out of um having always wanted to do that, that I didn't have necessarily all the time in the world um, left and I should probably get on it. So I wrote um, what was at the time sort of like a TV pilot script idea for it and uh, sort of just like a, you know, hour long drama idea. Um, And that was the first sort of fully formed thing that came through and that had the, you know, all the basic concepts were there. And so when I met up with Cassie, it was um, it was because I had realized uh, how difficult it would be to try to get um, a TV show made versus <laughs> making a comic. Um, and I had always read comics and and loved them and um, been pretty gotten back into reading them um, years before and was pretty heavy into that. So uh, it just took you know I I ended up coming across some original art. Um, by a student and i was like oh i could you know actually hire somebody to to work on a comic with me and i don't know why that had never occurred to me before because i love comics and read them all the time so anyway we we took that script and kind of adjusted it um to you know more suit uh the medium that it's Uh in uh, because that's important and uh and that was sort of what we worked off of so so the story idea and the general concept um came from me but as soon as we started playing with it it was like you know you see like i saw her first alien designs and i'm like oh and then we can do this and this and like it's it's so uh i think if you let it it can be like a nice give and take um that like i said earlier takes it into places you wouldn't have expected and is more exciting than you know what's just going to come from your brain um and i was you know inspired by all the stuff that I grew up with that I at the time was a little bit scary to me when I was younger, but I was mm-hmm. super intrigued by it. And that's kind of what I wanted this book to maybe do. I scared this book probably isn't scary, but it's got some, like you said, some heavier stuff in it. Um, but you know, like I grew up with like, I saw Terminator in the theater when I was like 10 and it scared the crap out of me. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and then it has gone on to become one of my favorite things. And, you know, same with alien and just stuff of that ilk. And so the originally with the story, I was just think I somehow got the idea going like, what if, you know, what would Sarah Connor be like if she was a little girl and then she had to, you know, fight aliens and what would, you know, um, that was sort of the, the 80s uh, sci-fi yeah, action, yeah. Uh, 
you know, uh, womb that the story sort of uh, <laughs> came to be in. Um, and yeah. And then, you know, layering in the stuff that was kind of going on at the time, um, personally with the parenting and everything, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. sort of, uh, came together. Um, and that was, yeah. So that was sort of the initial drive there. Uh, and, and there weren't a lot, like I said, it's a few years ago. So yeah. there were less, uh, girl heroines for, uh, for my daughters to read than there are now, which is, it's great that there's so many and it's kind of exploded. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I felt like, you know, uh, some, hardcore uh, action heroics would would be good for them so to uh to at least have access to so yeah that's awesome and and yeah it's it's um it's cool being ahead of the curve on that because yeah it's uh it's kind of interesting like the the uh batch of characters that uh you know, girls and uh, really, I mean, everybody can look up to now, uh, you know, uh, being more heavily featured, not only on the comics racks, but on the screen as well. And it's it's, you know, you wind back the hands of time, even to like 10 years ago, that wasn't something that we had a whole lot of. So it's it's great that the um uh, the the product has kind of caught up to uh sensibilities and i think it's a, a a lot thanks to folks like yourself that's like wait a minute i've got daughters um you know what yeah. what 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 can i put in front of these folks that's that's good and good for them um cuz i uh, you know i i'm not a parent myself but i've i've always kind of wondered about that because like the things that i uh, gravitated to as a kid, I still kind of gravitated to, you know, it's like, I like yeah. transformers when I was a kid and I still like transformers. Um, so I, th- there's been a part of me that's always kind of wondered about like what kids can latch onto and, and something that they can, you know, keep with them throughout their lives. Yeah. And yeah, I think that was, uh, well, I, I, I hope that that can happen with Cleo and, uh, that would be great. And I think like it always kind of, especially like at that time, you know, 10 years or so ago, like you're saying, it's, it's almost like we had like a weird dip where it's sort of people felt like that wasn't, uh, I don't know, culturally we shifted cause it, mm-hmm. it seems strange to me. Cause I, you know, like I grew up thinking that Sarah Connor was awesome and Ripley Absolutely. was awesome and uh you know Buffy and Veronica Mars and like all the, like my hero or my favorite shows to watch and uh the heroes that I ended up identifying with the most tended to be uh women so it mm-hmm. was um it was weird to me when I felt like it seemed like we were kind of going backwards at some point. Um, and yeah, so I'm glad that that sort of has corrected a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's cause it, you know, seems important and it seems like, uh, you should, you should be able to find those things when you're a kid. And like you said, like latch onto them and, yeah. uh, help you get through stuff. Cause, uh, I know that it did me. So yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so we've been talking a lot about uh, Volume One of Life Formed. Uh, uh, Cleo makes contact. Uh, so that that was released what a couple years ago now at this point. Yeah, that came out in 2017, in this in fall of 2017. Okay, gotcha. And the uh, the latest chapter, uh, Volume Two, Hearts and Minds, that just that just recently came out um, this last September, if I remember correctly. 
Yeah, that's correct. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You're good. Well, I, I was gonna say, uh, could you talk about maybe the the time in between the release of Volume One and leading up to uh, the release of Volume Two? Because uh, um, you know, one of the things that I noticed is that the uh, while the art style is still um, very similar. There also feels like there there's a a growth and uh, development to it as well. Like you know, um, uh, you know, Cleo looks a looks a little different than uh, uh, than she does in Volume One. And I was just kind of wondering if you could uh, um, speak to kind of uh, the development of of the second volume. Sure. Um, yeah. So we we had we had some time um, to kind of think about the direction we wanted to go in, and I think that. Uh, Although I actually had written the outline for the second book before the first one came out, so um, I knew I needed to keep going with it, even if we, if even if the first book just sort of uh, fell by the wayside. But, uh-huh, sure. um, but yeah, I wanted to go like since we had set the characters up in the first book and really, um, you know, their relationship made that sort of like the central. Um, you know, component or theme of the first book. Um, we wanted to sort of attack that a little bit, um, or I did, and try to take, uh, try to come up with something that, you know, as a, in terms of plot, maybe we haven't seen as much because uh, the first book follows a fairly standard sort of hero's journey arc. Um, and so we wanted to maybe poke at it a little bit more now that we had our characters established and, take it to some darker places more mm-hmm. in the emotional sense um and and also sort of thinking that we might have you know three to uh, three to four books uh, or something in the end it felt like you know cleo's gonna get a little bit older with each one um and still be learning as she goes and it's still the coming of age story overall um but she uh yeah so she's definitely you know i would say the second book takes place at least a few months um Mm -hmm. if not maybe not you know like nine months or so after the first one um and you know kids at that kids at that age are like you know changing all the time and looking completely (laughs) different um so there's that there in play and then uh we also wanted to just i think we both learned a lot in the first book about Mm -hmm. um what we didn't didn't want to do and what would be cool to try out um and we wanted to sort of push it into some just stranger areas and so we've got a lot of more exploration of sort of the alien creatures um we spend a lot more time with some different ones than we did in the first book um and try to see what it's like when uh you know, after the invasion is over and the aliens have pretty much won, what happens with the, the alien, you know, biology that ends up on our yeah. planet and all that kind of stuff. And we both had read um, Jeff Vandermeer's Annihilation uh, book, um, oh, which is part okay. of a trilogy yeah. um, that he did. And, uh, yeah, so we we were both pretty into like, oh, well, how can we like, could we take a YA kids sci-fi book and put some weirdness into it, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and you know, really um, explore some stuff some more. And so the main, uh, we we kind of wanted to do that, and then I just had the idea of like, what does if 
what does like no country for old men look like for kids? <laughs> and I don't know I, that. And so I just wanted to kind of go down that path. Um, and so we kind of those those influences sort of came together. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so it, and it felt like what would be most meaningful in a second story would be to have Cleo and Alex dealing with more of an internal threat. Like it's, it's how they're dealing with their relationship that Mm -hmm. is really the problem in the second book, um, rather than sort of the very external stuff in book one where they're, you know, just trying to survive and fight back against, um, the people that are after them or the aliens that are after them. So yeah, that was sort of it. And I think that Cassie really like brought a whole new level to it in terms of the art. Like it's, uh, it's just got some really beautiful, beautiful stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really, you know, even now I just pulled up a, pulled up an image to help me think about it. Yeah, and like yeah. I'm, see- I'm seeing stuff in that image and I'm like, Oh, I didn't, hadn't noticed that before. So uh, it's, there's tons of detail. There's tons of just really gorgeous looking stuff and like um, new color palettes and everything that she expanded. And then I think like she really leveled up her action um, drawing as well. For sure. And, uh, there's, um, some pretty cool fighting, um, that takes place that I think turned out really great. And yeah, we wanted to, you know, basically the, the short story of the second book is that, uh, Cleo and Alex have become, you know, fairly well-oiled little guerrilla warfare unit fighting back against the invaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, some stuff happens that, uh, sort of upsets that sort of new normal that they both become used to. And, uh, you know, they both start keeping secrets from each other and that starts to, uh, fray things. So, um, I feel like that, yeah, I feel like that sort of naturally the art sort of evolved toward that, um, that theme, mm-hmm. um, and ended up uh, working out really well. So, very cool. So yeah. what? So what's uh, the response been so far to the uh, to the new book, Hearts and Minds? I it's been good. You know, I think like it's um, the the sort of tricky thing about comics is that they come out every week, and so um, your book comes out, and then the very next the very next week, a whole bunch of other books come out, mm-hmm. um, and so staying sort of in the conversation and getting people's eyes on it um, is a, is a bit of a challenge, but we get, you know, reviews so far have been very good that we've gotten. Um, and the general reader response from people just coming up and talking to me has been great as well. So yeah, we'll see. It's, you know, with the, with these books, like I said, they end up in the book market as well. And that's, where if they're going to really take off, that's probably where it's going to happen. And that can, you know, happen at any point over Mm -hmm. time. It's like, you know, not everybody picks up uh, the thing as soon as it comes out. So um, a lot of it is sort of like building, uh, building the material so people can find it um, hopefully sooner rather than later. But um, it's uh, yeah. So I don't know. It's so far, I would say like, it's been a little bit more, Uh, muted than the first book but also we really threw ourselves into publicity for the first book and like you know did some tours or up into washington and stuff um and we're out talking to people more and we just didn't have the opportunity to do that this time around so um we just haven't been i think as in touch with folks but um 
yeah, it's, overall it seems good, and then the sales have, have seemed good as well. So um, it's just a, a little bit quieter on the internet front, but you know, it's who it's a crazy world. So um, that's, there's a lot of reasons uh, it could be quieter. So well, um, it, and and yeah. as you said, it's a it's a slightly different market, and it's um, you know it's a slightly different thing than just your uh, Wednesday reader. You yes. know, it's like it would be great, you know, if the Wednesday readers grab it off the shelves and and uh, definitely please do and let your uh, local comic shop know that uh, that you'd like to get um, both volumes of Life Formed, of uh, you know, Cleo Makes Contact as well as uh, volume two, Hearts and Minds. Um, but, yeah, it's you know, you can also go into, uh, you know, your bookstore and look for it and ask for it as well. Um, so that that kind of brings me into like the, the next thing I kind of want to ask is is one is what what's the what's the future of life formed it's like do you uh do you have more stories where where could the story go from here and how can we as uh, podcast listeners and consumers <laughs> of comics um help out with that uh yeah i mean if you if you pick up the first book or two um and enjoy it it always helps to tweet about it um and you can uh you can find me um pretty easily online if you search for life formed and basically yeah just you know sh- any kind of uh you know creator own stuff that you love mm-hmm. um it sharing it is always good and it's never bad um <laughs> as long as you're generally you know doing it in uh, the right spirit sure um, so uh no it's that that's pretty much what helps because with books of this size in terms of you know press or print run and everything like that it's um getting the word out is great because mm-hmm. most of the resources of a company like dark horse are going to be going to pushing uh great stuff like hellboy and black hammer and everything mm-hmm. um and the creators at the levels below that are just never going to get as much marketing push. Um, so that definitely helps, uh, because we, uh, definitely have plans for, you know, I have like sort of a four book first, Mm -hmm. first phase outlined. Um, if we can get to at least three, that would be great. Uh, cause I think that it's, you know, it's always fun to just build upon what you've done. And I think that um, I've got these characters in my head all the time at this point because I've been working on them for so long. Uh, so I would I don't think I would ever run out of stories for them. <laughs> it'd be good. It'd be good to uh, at least get to the point where, um, you know, I like we could kind of wrap up some of the mis- the mysteries from the yeah. first couple books um, and uh, inner flesh out some of the newer characters that we've haven't been able to uh, just because of page count give as much time to um yeah so we've got plans for all that if we can uh get to that point and it's uh you know it's really a numbers thing at, uh, to some degree um and so uh we're currently you know waiting to see how things shake out um toward the end of the year and decide how we want to proceed but i've got you know I've got years to go if we uh, <laughs> if we can get there. So, um, and I think there'd be some really fun stuff uh, to see. So, 
Yeah. Excellent. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. So uh, Dark Horse Comics has, you know, always been a really great place and a great supporter of independent creators. You know, it's like you, you mentioned a couple a uh, couple of the greats there um, a moment a, a moment ago. Uh, what what initially drew you to uh, Dark Horse specifically, and what it, what's it been like working with uh, with Mike Richardson and the and the folks over there at, at Dark Horse? Um, yeah, so originally it was we kind of ended up um, you know it's sort of like the being prepared, but also having some luck is the way most of this stuff seems to happen. So it's true. Uh, the uh, the shop I go to every every Wednesday, usually or usually every Wednesday, mm -hmm. and get my comics is uh, Bridge City Comics in Portland, which is fantastic. And I've sort of become friends with with those folks. And I when we got Cassie and I got uh, our first sort of pitch packet done, which ended up being you know about 24 pages of story. Um, I was just trying to float it around to people to see if like it looked like I knew what I was doing, um, if, if I should continue. And I gave it to uh, the folks there and both of them happened to be ex dark horse folks, which I did not realize. Oh, and, okay. uh, and they really liked it. Um, and these were the guys, you know, that I would go in and just like talk about whatever X-Men for 30 minutes every Wednesday with, you know, I can just hang out. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, so they really liked it and, um, and ended up passing it along to, uh, to the folks at dark horse and Dave Marshall, who, um, has gone on to be editor in chief since he, we uh, ended up there, um, really liked it and brought us in and we had him, you know, we, did all the deals and uh, got through all that and got a lot of help from Dave. Uh, and there was some, uh, a lot of change ups at the business at that point. So mm -hmm. um, we were with Dave for a bit. We were with uh, an editor named Aaron Walker for a while. And then we ended up uh, with Rachel Roberts, um, who has been our wonderful editor for officially for volume one and volume two. Um, and, yeah, it's been um, it's been great. It's been great for me because I like I bought Dark Horse Presents number one off the stands in whatever 1986 or whatever it was, oh, yeah. um, and so you know being a Portland person, um, I checked it out and I was huge into the stuff they did with aliens and mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of other stuff um, back in the old man times. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's it's been very cool and like we. Especially, um, you know, at the outset, Dave really helped us shape the story in a way that uh, ended up making a ton of sense um, for the, you know, like we talked for the format, for the audience, um, and just for the, I think, quality of the story overall. Mm -hmm. um, and Rachel has sort of continued that process. And um, yeah, it's just been, uh, you know, I, di I didn't anticipate when I started down this path that I would really end up anywhere. So the fact that I ended up at Dark Horse and um, the actually, you know, we actually got published has been uh, really um, pretty, pretty cool and yeah. uh, crazy. So, uh, yeah, it's um, it's very and it's always, you know, I'm uh, I'm very into learning as much about the industry and stuff as I can. So as we go, it's just sort of like a constant learning process as well. And, mm -hmm. you know, what works and what doesn't and um, different things to try. And so. Uh, yeah, all the folks there are great and um, and very supportive and 
helping us uh, get the word out as much as possible. So um, it's been a very interesting adventure for sure. So <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, yeah. the, uh, uh, the book is Life Formed. There are two volumes available now. Cleo Makes Contact is volume one and volume two is Hearts and Minds. And our guest is Matt Mayer Lowry, the writer of the book. And, um, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier. Um, you had mentioned like one of the uh opportunities this time around with volume two is not making the promotional rounds as much because you know time opportunity family obligations all of that all of that fun stuff but i was uh i, I was kind of stalking you on on twitter a little bit you yeah know, the, the, the friendly kind but um but it looks like you've been um a guest on on a couple of podcasts and some other uh content uh outlets uh would you like to talk about some of the uh some of the places you've been in some of the stuff that um the other cool shows that you've been a part of yeah for sure um well i mean what like like i said like the only thing or the biggest thing that helps is people talking about the books mm-hmm. and that goes for anybody right like you were saying we're all uh we're all independent creators out here trying to make it happen so exactly. um like folks like yourself that put the time into this and i did some podcasting back in the, the initial podcasting days and it is a lot of work um so it's uh, su- very much appreciated but yeah i've been on some cool shows um let me think here for a second. So there's a great interview comics creator interview show called uh, creator talks. Um, yeah. So the uh, at creator talks, he does uh, basically kind of what we've just done, like a nice long form interview yeah. um, with different creators. Uh, and that's, that's been, uh, that was really fun. Um, I was on the watching comics podcast, which is mostly about uh, their takes on comic franchises that have made it to the screen in one way or another Mm -hmm. um and so i got to i got to go off about terminator and uh, you know (laughs) uh, batman 89 and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um so that was fun and also talk about life formed um oh there's so many uh i've got a friend um that i've been friends with for quite a while well before i uh, started working on the book who has a cool show called uh that's cool that's trash and it's basically a show where uh we we all like offline go watch uh like a a b movie or a a weird pulp movie and then come back and uh as a group sort of talk about it and play clips and all that kind of stuff um and i've done a couple episodes of that that's been a lot of fun um and uh you know some something different than uh just talking about uh, the comic again which Mm -hmm. is is not it's good to do but um it's fun to branch out a little bit so absolutely uh, yeah (laughs) and uh yeah i'm blank i'll I'll, uh, I'll send you some links, but there's, Perfect. there's so much great stuff out there and, um, it's, uh, it definitely helps because, you know, the more that, uh, the more that independent creators get out there, if they do have a publisher or something, um, the more content they can have to, you know, uh, inform folks about the book is something that then their publishers can share and all that kind of stuff. So it's, um, definitely very helpful and, yeah, and then uh, we do. We have been doing some signings. Um, there's some great stores in Portland. Uh, in addition to Bridge City, um, there's Books with Pictures is a 
great shop in southeast portland that is a wonderful shop there i I, i've uh um i have been told a number of times i i've been in there maybe twice but it's it's one of those things that's on definitely the destination list um because i i have a number of friends that that kind of uh, call that their home shop and yeah it's, it's an incredible store yeah yeah it's really great and they're in like a new space now that they got in over the summer i think um and so we got to like hang out in that space for a while and it's really nice super comfortable um and really easy to browse and all that uh and then i will be at uh on local comic shop day which is uh november 23rd i believe saturday um i will be at comic cave which is uh really close to my house um in north <laughs> portland um and uh, doug there has been super supportive of the book and we've done i don't this maybe will be the fourth time i've hung out there and signed and stuff so nice. um, yeah and he runs some great cl- classes for kids where he brings in cartoonists and they uh teach kids how to you know make a couple pages of comic which is really fantastic um yeah so portland's really great for this and of course you know half of the mainstream comics community lives in portland at this point and uh the environment is really uh friendly for it so Mm -hmm. yeah it's uh it's a lot of fun yeah well and 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 again like we were talking about the portland area is just such a vibrant community for uh for great independent creators it's it's awesome um so yeah i guess uh um as as we transition, uh, first of all, Matt, this this has been uh, this has been a lot of fun. It's been uh, really great getting to know you and getting to know uh, more about Life Formed and uh, Cassie's work on it as well. Um, it's a it's a really fun book. But um, before uh, uh, before we part ways, uh, before we close out, um, I have a series of questions that I ask all of my guests as we close out, uh, whether they be uh, comics artists, musicians, other podcasters. It's the uh, it's the independent artist interview questions, okay. <laughs> or at least cool. as as folks have have uh, come to know it over the last uh, couple of years. Um, so uh, it's it, it's a multi armed kind of like three four legged stool type thing. I'm um, I would like to talk about what your biggest challenge has been as a creator what your ultimate direction is uh you know kind of aka what's the dream um and then uh, to round it out what advice uh you would have for folks that are looking to uh do their own uh creative pursuits and then we'll uh close out with uh you know a clarion call for the the social medias and where folks can get um get the book and let their folks know that they want the book and um and we'll go from there so let's uh so uh yeah i'd, I'd like to jump back and say what what has been your biggest challenge as an artist oh that is a good question um i think overall um and maybe yeah that's probably the best way to uh figuring out what i wanted to do you know artistically i guess um over you know like I was, like I said, I did a lot of creative writing and stuff in college and I always wanted to do something, but I never quite knew how to do Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. Um, and, and how to make something happen there. Um, and then after that I was in, you know, I 
wrote wrote songs a lot i had bands a lot and uh did the music thing um and that was fun but it never kind of like got gained any momentum and so when i started writing again um like I said, I kind of started off thinking it was going to, I wanted to figure out how to write for TV, but not sure what I was going to do with that. Um, so I guess just figuring out where to put my energy, uh, and it ended up being comics, which like I said, makes complete sense because I always loved it. And I, you know, used to make them when I was a kid and could not really draw, but drew anyway. Um, (laughs) and so it seems sort of obvious in retrospect. Um, but it really took like that light bulb moment for some reason to, to have it really make sense. Um, yeah. So I think just finding, finding where to focus, um, and finding what, you know, best suited me. And I think that for my writing style, Mm -hmm. it's definitely a visual thing. And I think, what I have, what I think I knew all along, but then really discovered as I was started trying to make comics was that you can, all the stuff that I really like and really want to enjoy in a story is something that's best served in comics, unlike any other format um, or any, you know, any other media. So um, as much as I love movies and TV, I think what I really gravitate towards is the sort of complete um elasticity or something of of making a comic and how many different things it can be and uh yeah so yeah i'm, I'm glad i ended up there but uh it uh it definitely definitely took some iterations so. yeah well and it's interesting and this is kind of tangenting from from the uh from the questions but uh one one of the things that that i was struck by as i was reading through the comic is one how breezy it is like you know it's it's a relatively fast read i i ended up sitting down and reading the the entirety of volume one in an afternoon um because it's it's very much a a page turner but i think a lot of that is because there are um uh there are a lot of sequences where it's very sparse in terms of dialogue and you know kind of like a lack of like you know expository text boxes and the the dialogue is is minimalist and and very easy to follow and i i've always kind of wondered about um you know how because like i would imagine as a writer it's um you know, you want to put as much of your stuff in there as possible, but the the way I read it is that you're you're really given um, your artist Cassie, you know, the the opportunity to kind of tell the action through the visual medium. It doesn't it doesn't read as um, overwritten if yeah. if if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. No, that's uh, that's good to hear. And um, yeah, I think like I I tend to just think more visually than than uh, wordily, I guess. Um, <laughs> yes. And uh, so I think that especially in the first book where it's really about um, I don't know, like I want to say like the desolation yeah, of things yeah, and sure. the destruction of things. Like it seemed really appropriate and. And then I also just, uh, I tend to like the quiet moments in many things and, Mm -hmm. um, and the stuff that I enjoy. And so I wanted to make sure that, that that was there or, and, or it just kind of came 
out naturally that way. Uh, and then, you know, in the second book, there's actually a little bit less of that, I think, because we've got the, we're playing more with the dynamic between Cleo and Alex. Yeah. Um, and that, that means there's more interaction, uh, just inherently. Um, because a lot of the first book, you know, uh, is really them coming together, mm-hmm. um, over the course of things. And so there's a lot of sort of separation and isolation and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, no, that's great to hear. I like, um, I think the cool part about comics and I'm working on some short stories and stuff now where I'm trying to like really, um, cause I very much am still learning everything mm-hmm. and like, it's great to be able to like play with, Oh, let's have a bunch of dialogue in a totally, you know, Chris Claremont X-Men sort of way. Let's go nuts with the words with the right. cap- captions and the everything. Um, and then like, let's peel it back and see what we can, uh, what, how sparse we can get. So I think that um, to me, that's part of the fun of it is trying to figure out like what works and what doesn't and, and not even that it works or and not even that it fails necessarily, but like um, different, different approaches are better suited to different stories and everything. So um, trying to play with the, with that formally is, uh, is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the thing with Cassie is like, I can, I could write a bunch of dialogue for her, but she can visually, you know, crush whatever dialogue I can write because <laughs> she can just render it so much better with like a look. Um, yes. And, uh, and, you know, I'd listened to enough comics writers talking on podcasts to, mm-hmm. that talked about, you know, getting panels back where they would go like, Oh, I'm just pulling the b- word balloons off this. Cause they did such a good job. And so I had, I had that idea. Uh, it's a very, I feel like to me, like very, uh, Brian Michael Bendis idea of like, yep. look, look at the page. And if it doesn't need it, take it out. Um, even though I think, I think that's actually one of his strengths, even though I think most people tend to think of him as uh, wordy. Um, I think that there's often times where he peels it back at uh, just the right time. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Agreed for sure. Um, so moving on to the, the, uh, I, I guess the tent pole of this three legged stool, th- this, this analogy yeah. has fallen apart <laughs> real quick, but, but the, the next arm of that is, you know, uh, very basically what's, uh, what's the dream? Um, I, I try to be pretty realistic, I think. Um, but I, like, it would be great to, I do, I, I work for myself doing uh, like web design and user interface design uh, as my day job. And mm-hmm. so I guess my, my dream at this point is to, you know, be able to cut back to uh, halftime or something for that mm-hmm. and be able to write in a more truly, you know, halftime sense um, and maybe be able to afford to not get up and start quite so early just so I can fit everything in. Um, Cause uh, yeah, I don't know. My, my brain as I get older seems to have fewer hours of uh, good productivity in it. So um, it'd be nice to be able to focus and uh, a little more in on just the writing and um, everything. So Mm -hmm. inching closer towards that and getting somewhere with that, I guess would be the dream of being able to kind of balance those two things a little bit better. And, and obviously like, it'd be great to just get uh, more people to read the life form stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, be able to work, get some other projects out there. Um, 
but yeah, right right now my dream is that uh, the short stories that I'm hoping I will have done for Emerald City are done, and I can print them and uh, bring them up to the show. So if I can get that far, I'll feel I'll feel pretty good. Oh, very cool. So you're uh, so you're going to be at Emerald City Comic Con next year? Yeah, yeah. We've this will be the third year we've we've tabled there. So um, yeah, it's uh, that show's a blast. So I. I always look forward to that and it feels like it's coming up real soon. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. Are you going to be there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. I, I will, uh, I will definitely have to make it by and, uh, and I hope to be, uh, uh perhaps a little less punchy <laughs> when I make <laughs> right. it through that time. <laughs> the good, the good part about a con is everybody's punchy. So it doesn't, this is uh, true. It doesn't, doesn't matter as much. You can, uh, yeah, I, I've said a lot of <laughs> crazy stuff to people. I don't know that well. And it just doesn't, I realize, oh, it doesn't matter. Everybody's, uh, everybody's exhausted. They'll never, nobody will remember. Well, and, so, and, yeah. and, it, and it's interesting. And I, 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 I forgot to relate this back while while we were chatting uh, very at the very beginning at the top, um, I I hadn't actually tabled at a show before, so mm-hmm. I I've been you know uh, I've gone to most shows as a fan, and so to kind of you know kind of have my own table and my own space was. You know, it it was awesome. It was thrilling. It was really cool. I got to connect with a lot of uh, great folks. You know, like folks that um, that know the podcast, folks that are uh, fans of podcasts but don't really know anything about me or what I do. Um, but what what I found was like I didn't quite know what to do. It's like, do I stand yeah. <laughs> up? Do I sit down? Do I walk around? Um, you know, I I was finding myself having conversations like on the wrong side of the table. I'm just like, oh, wait a sec. I'm supposed to be over here. Uh, sorry. So yeah, and I think that's kind of what kind of kind of added to my my rumminess into Deep Sunday as well as Jet City. But that was uh, it was a blast. That's a fun show. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's uh, no, it's definitely definitely took me a, a show or two to feel like I knew what I was doing. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I uh, empathize. <laughs> so that being said, and this is uh, you know sometimes I stumble into a good segue. Um, uh, as uh, as we get ready to close out, what kind of advice would you have uh, for folks that are uh, interested in pursuing their own artistic endeavors? Um. I think I, my usual or standard advice bit is just that there is um, there is so much uh, I hate I loathe that I keep using the word content, but there's so much content out there uh, that can help you figure out how to do things. Yeah, and you know when I was when I was thinking about the TV stuff, when I started doing the comic stuff, um, because there's folks like you out making great podcasts and doing these nice long form discussions, you can be super informed, um, about the area you want to get into. Mm -hmm. Um, and it can help you either decide you do or do not want to get into it. It can help you figure out how to do it. Um, it can help you figure out like the right approach for you. Um, and so my usual advice is just like, go, whatever you think you want to do, go out and find the interviews or um the books or you know it's usually podcasts honestly because they're so they're so easy to like just absorb while you're doing whatever Mm -hmm. um but uh and just like dig into it as much as you can because it's gonna teach you 
it's going to teach you a lot of like practical stuff in terms of like, if you want to write, for example, like you're, mm-hmm. you can go learn a lot about how to actually try to sit down every day and write and come up with strategies for staying on task and all that kind of stuff. But you can also just get a sense for like what the existence is like. Um, and I think that there's a lot of value to that because you can figure out if that's really where you want to spend your time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like while it's been while some of like the marketing and stuff and everything has been maybe more challenging than I expected with Lifeformed, it's not something I was unaware of because I had listened to so many people talk about it. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was maybe a little bit, little bit harder than I thought, but it was. <laughs> sure. um, it, but I knew that that was an issue. I knew that trying to get independent you know, independently produce comics, even if they come from a publisher that you are aware of, like, it's still hard to like build a big audience and stuff. Right. And I knew that from listening to people like Bendis, you know, like, uh, I mean, I used to just listen to Bendis and Rucka and Brubaker and all those guys talking on podcasts for hours. Um, and you just get a sense for what the actual existence is like and whether that would be right for you. And, uh, you learn enough that I think that like it sort of becomes this thing of where like if you know what it's like and you still really want to do it and then you really still put your you know get show up to your desk and what or whatever and really get into it um, you must really want to do it and so I think that um, yeah it's super valuable and I think it's just a like you don't want to you know you don't want to waste your time. Um, if you don't want to really do a thing and you may as well just learn as much about it as you can before you get into it. And we're never, it's never been easier to do all that and basically go to school for free. Um, you know, just yeah, listen to a podcast. Yeah. So ah, yeah. I, I love it. I love it. That's a, that's an excellent strategy. And just, uh, you know, and that, that ties into, uh, something you were saying before when we were talking about challenges, you know, it's a lot of it is kind of trying to figure out what lane you want to be and then once you're kind of in the lane learn everything you can about what's going on in that scene i think that's uh i I think that's uh excellent uh rounded advice for uh for the kiddos um so uh so matt this has been a blast um can you let folks know where they can find life formed and how can we connect with you out on the social medias yeah, so probably the easiest way to find Lifeformed is to go to Dark Horse's website, which I believe is just darkhorsecomics.com, um, but I should double-check that. Uh, dark, darkhorse.com. Darkhorse.com, thank you. Um, it's uh, it's pretty embedded in my browser at this point, so I don't really have to type the whole thing. I understand. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, go to darkhorse.com, search for Lifeformed. Uh, both books will pop up click on e- either one of them or both of them um and they have a pretty good set of buy links right there on the site uh you could also go to comiXology if you're a digital um person reader and uh have that there and dark horse digital has it as well um or you know you could just go to amazon or barnes and noble and search for life formed mm-hmm. um or hopefully go maybe to your local comic shop uh or local bookstore would be great as well mm-hmm. um, better than amazon uh <laughs> Absolutely. and uh yeah so that's it should be pretty easy to find um it's life formed with a d um at the end so that uh, is where to find the book. And then I am on Instagram and Twitter at Matt M L 
PDX, uh, like the Portland airport. Um, and yeah, and I'm on there being obnoxious about all the comics that I love and our book and, uh, other stuff as well. And yeah, it's, uh, there's uh, never never been a better time to self promote, I guess. Absolutely. Well, and and you're uh, you're pretty prolific out there on on the twitters, um, so that's uh, that that's always fun, you know. Uh, I you know it's funny we we could do like a whole another podcast show about uh, about social media and how to yeah. how to use it and how not to use it and all that. But it's like so I I use Instagram. I I flirt with Facebook um, occasionally, but for me, Twitter's where it's at. I just yeah. I, I just I like it. There's something about it. I I was the one grumpy old guy that kind of uh, rolled a tear when they upped the character limit because oh, like yeah. I I actually kind of liked that it challenged me to be more concise because, you know, as, as we've been sitting here talking for uh, over an hour, obviously (laughs) brevity is not my strongest asset. So I I found uh, the challenge kind of trying to make my, my uh, tweets a little more concise. Uh, But what I found though, with the enhanced character limit is you can cram a whole lot more links in there. Oh yes, (laughs) you can a lot more tags, a lot more, links or yeah so it's uh yeah no i i agree with you i kind of miss the uh the brevity of it um Mm. but uh it's uh yeah no it's a great uh, i don't know like i think yeah obviously it's got its problems like uh, like all our social media and like our all our stuff but um it's been really great connecting with people over that and like i've made friends on twitter that i've then hung out with in person um you know at cons or whatever Mm -hmm. and or you know meeting you and stuff um so it's uh no it's a great um it's a great way to just like you know naturally uh network for lack of a better term but around the stuff that you love and i think that makes it you know, uh, actually valuable and not really networking at all. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's great. It's pretty, it's pretty fun. And, um, yeah, the benefit of, of working by myself for myself from home is that I have maybe too much time to be on Twitter. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's so many good comics out there. I feel like I want to tell people about that. Uh, I, I spend a fair amount of time doing that. So if you want recommendations, um, uh, follow me and you will get them. Well, shoot. While uh, while we're here, and before uh, before we part ways, uh, uh, what you reading? Any any like uh, particular top one, two, three uh, uh, books that that's on your shelf? Yeah, I think um, the my favorite book of the year is called Little Bird. Um, it's from Image, mm. and uh, it's basically like I want to say it was five pretty thick issues or maybe it was six but um it's actually they've got a nice collected edition hardcover coming out this month i think uh that uh would be um would be great to pick up and uh, i've got you know like three or four copies ordered so i can give it to people because it was uh just a phenomenal sort of future rebels against a uh church uh, state hybrid um, kind of story that had amazing art um, and was super moving and really well done. Um, so that's sort of my like uh, book of the year if yeah. I had one. Um, I also love uh, the Immortal Hulk that Marvel's got going right now. That's a fun um, book, yeah. And uh, all the 
Jonathan Jonathan Hickman X Men stuff um, this summer was amazing, and I feel like I had one more thing, but uh, but and Deadly Class is uh, by Rick Remender and mm-hmm. Wes Craig um, is I don't know anytime that comic comes out I feel like it um, just uh, not that it's a competition but that is just the best comic on the stand any week it comes out um, Mm. for my money. So uh, they're both just so good at what they do. Um, And it's, uh, yeah, super emotional and um, super action packed. And yeah, so it's great. So hard to go wrong with any of those, I feel like, but definitely uh, worth checking out little bird The it's just uh, a phenomenal um, back to front. So Awesome. Excellent yeah. recommendations. Thank you so much. Appreciate yeah, that. No and, and of course, while you're getting those cool books, check out Life Formed as well. <laughs> got to yes. got to get the gotta get the last minute <laughs> plug in there as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, so before we part ways for now, um, anyone in particular you would like to uh, acknowledge or give shout outs to and any uh, any final words? Um, yeah, well, since uh, she was not with me today, I just uh, it'd be worth uh, definitely checking out Cassie's work. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, she's got, uh, she also put out a book um, this summer. So she had two books come out this year within a couple months of each other. uh, That is a more uh, truly sort of truly all ages or, you know, young reader and up um, called extraordinary, uh, the story of an ordinary princess. And that is a collected version of uh, something she did as a webcomic for years, dating back to like before we started working on Life Formed. And Dark Horse collected that and put it out in the summer. Um, so, yeah, so she's got three books on Dark Horse. So you could easily find Extraordinary um, by clicking on her name when you hunt down Life Formed on the Dark Horse website. Um, yeah, so she's great. She's amazing to work with. Um, and uh that's been uh yeah just uh being able to have a co-creator that um where we clicked that well has been uh one of the best parts about all this so um yeah that's uh i think that's about it very very cool well again uh thank you so much for taking the time out to uh to join me on the podcast radio here uh this has been uh like i said it's been a lot of fun i mean i think i think the my favorite thing about doing this goofy podcasting hobby stuff is just um not only making friends but also um just uh just hearing people's stories and yeah. and that's and, and like we were talking about before we started recording, it's you know, it's um, it, it's cool to get the promotion out there and say, hey, this is a cool book from somebody that's cool. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's more just like, yeah, man, I, I but I, I, I love hearing the stories and kind of getting like super behind the scenes and 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 hopefully somebody that's listening out there learns a thing or two about a thing or two. So and that and that makes it worth it. For sure. Well, yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast. You're welcome. Well, we will definitely have to connect again uh, in the future. And if you ever find yourself up here in the Seattle area and are doing a signing or uh, a shop appearance, uh, um, definitely uh, keep me in mind. We'd love to uh, have you back on the show and and, uh, chat it up and promote it. And obviously, you know, if there's uh, um, other works that you have coming up in the future, um, don't hesitate. Would, uh, Would love to give you the platform. 
Awesome. Sounds great. I will be in touch. And that will do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to listen to our past shows, subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Like, share, rate, and review the show. The feedback helps us grow. Mike Seibert Radio is produced by Dave Sanders. For my guest, Matt Mayer-Lowry, my name is Mike. This has been Mike Seibert Radio. And until next time, making choices. You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production.